Little fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Hey everybody and welcome to season 3 episode number 25 of the Fantasy Fullback Dive which of course is paving your way to championship after championship in the rapidly upcoming fantasy football season. This is of course brought to you by the good people at the Road to Street Journal. I am your host Nat the Truth Jones with me as always in a dimly lit basement it appears. The Wolf of Roto Street himself. How you doing Wolf? Uh, I'm doing doing well in uh, quite the recovery mode. Yesterday, at least, I was just a complete corpse. I've been acting not my age quite so much lately. Got challenged by some young bucks to compete in the Beer Olympic Games uh, this weekend. And as it, fun as it was, it was probably the most hungover I've been in multiple years. Horrendous. That's saying something. I mean, I feel like <laughs> we've had a lot of podcasts where you were in recovery mode and, and you've been struggling. How young were these young bucks and were they out of your league? They were uh, no, no. We showed them a lesson. We taught them a lesson. They were 24. They they played football with us back in the day. They were kind of the freshmen when we were the seniors, and they thought they could try to get one over on us. But the old po- folks, as punished as we were by the end of everything, uh, really put on a good show during the games themselves. We're very young guys. Our good friend Dave Mock, friend of the podcast, friend of uh, Roto Street Journal Experts League, was putting on quite the performance. Uh, maybe the most puke I've ever seen come out of a human being in my entire life late, later in the night. And, that, and I've seen a lot of puke in my life. I was going to so. say, yeah, that, that's, that of course, um, you know, world or at least regionally famous poker player, David Mock. Uh, also yeah. quite a good fantasy football player in his own right and uh, evidently solid drinker, although it sounds like he paid the price. Um, so they put down a lot of beers, can't handle it too well, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, no, we, we dominated. We, we put on a good show and, and taught them a lesson, but we felt the pain probably more than they did the next day. That's but, for damn sure. How was your weekend? Uh, <laughs> well, not anything like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, nothing like that at all. Now I'm trying to even struggle to remember what we were, what we were doing. I mean, oh yeah, uh, my wife and I went to a wedding, which is something that oh, we don't okay. do too much. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, it was nice what night out with the wife, better than a kick in the teeth. You know what I mean? It was, it was did you bring the uh, kiddos or were they no, babysat? No, 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 didn't bring the kids actually like nice night away. There you stayed go. out kind of late for us, which is not late for you, but still it was, it was like nice. what, like eight thirty PM ish, like 10. <laughs> oh, wow. You're getting real risky these days, Nat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it was a big weekend. Um, <laughs> anyway, the fantasy football season fast approaching. Um, oh yeah, I still can't get over this this uh, kind of basement look you've got going on. You look like you're in uh, like a like sleazy club in the seventies. You should I should show you like if you see the spiral staircase in the background there. Can you see that the shag carpet? No. Oh yeah, yeah okay. This, this, Spots do, legit. Do you, do you bring ladies there? Oh yeah. Okay, all right, just checking. Yeah, they, uh, they leave pretty shortly after. Right, I was gonna say they, <laughs> they just kind of like a revolving door there. Um, yes, exactly. All right. So anyway, a lot of Eddie Lacy's coming through here. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to widen that doorway if you want him to come through. Um, <laughs> it won't fit down the spiral. No, it looks like kind sure of a, a narrow doorway in the back there. <laughs> I don't think Eddie Lacy's getting through. Um, no chance. Anyway, uh, with that said, we got a jam-packed show, training camp, burning questions. We got episode number 25 of the Fantasy Fullback Dive. You know, a quarter of the way to 100, which is oh, yeah. saying something. 
Um, we got our stock tip of the week coming up. We got a jam-packed stock watch uh, with five or six guys. We're going to be hitting quickly. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about glossary entries. We're going to talk about aerial and ground pies. Um, mm. co- copyright pending. And uh, <laughs> then our featured segment, some training camp burning questions. We got five burning questions. And each of those five questions has like three or four parts. So we're going to hit 15 or 20 minutes on that. And we got a couple of things uh, to talk about. The mailbag is back. We got a couple questions to answer. Uh, and then we'll get out of here. Um, you know, in less than an hour. But that's our pledge to you, uh, the listener. And uh, so with that said, we'll be right back after this with our Stock Tip of the Week. We are back. Stock Tip of the Week. I love this as a category for a stock tip question because what the wolf is going to do here is he is going to reveal to us how to approach your first four rounds in your upcoming fantasy football league draft. It's funny because when I look at my draft, I tend to look at it as the first four rounds and then the rest. And I'm not saying the first four Mm -hmm. rounds is necessarily more important. Obviously you can win draft, you can win seasons in the middle rounds and with penny stocks at the end. But the first four rounds to me are just crucial. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really interested to hear how you would recommend we approach the first four rounds of our draft. So go to it. Yeah, I absolutely love to leave both of my – in the first four rounds, I love to leave with two running backs and two receivers. When I look at it, you hear all these theories, zero running back, zero wide receiver, whatever. I don't look at it that way. I just want to get two running backs, two receivers in whatever order you end up taking them because I do feel there's a huge drop-off at both positions. When you get to about running back 18, 19, 20, you got to have some good tiered rankings. That's what I make sure I do, tier rankings. You you look at that for my tiers. It's about the top three tiers of running backs. I want two of those guys and then the top four tiers of receivers i want two of those guys and there's about 20 to 25 receivers in that if you're if you extend the tier i, I cut it off at 20 myself especially with this josh gordon news who knows how, how that's going to go we'll talk about that in a second Lashawn mccoy we'll talk about him in a little bit too so that makes the tiers even a little bit more questionable but again about 18 running backs and about let's say 20 receivers i want to have Two of two of both positions. So my first four rounds, I'm trying to lock those down because, again, those are the multiple positions. Those are the ones where you're starting at least two of the running backs, if not three because you have a flex, and then three wide receivers. You really need to make those early round where the, the floors are a lot higher on your players. You really got to make sure that you're taking a multiple position there um, and, and just securing yourself a, a top tier guy. Um, you could go running back, running back, then receiver, receiver, Melvin Gordon and Dalvin Cook. And then you go Amari Cooper, Stephon Diggs, or maybe you go wide receiver, wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Thomas. But then you go Jay Ajayi and, and Christian McCaffrey. You know, whatever order you decide to do it in, maybe you balance it out. I actually like the kind of balance approach Leonard Fournette, Mike Thomas, and then, you know, Jay Ajayi and Juju. Whatever it is, the way you order it is, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, you just got to make sure you come out with two wide receivers and two running backs by the time you're at pick five, I would say. Uh, I got to tell you, that DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Thomas, hypothetically, you just threw out there, got me oh my God. excited. Uh, yeah, I saw your face. But, yeah. I, but I do a have change a... change of underwear? I do, I do have a question. No, no, no. I, I never wear underwear for the show. Um, oh, okay. any, anyway, uh, I do have one question to ask, which is, uh, how do you factor in a game-changing tight end? I got Gronk as my second pick in a two keeper league I'm definitely going to hang on to him I mean the other guy that was an option was McCoy obviously you would keep Gronk over McCoy right um, Absolutely. so I mean I, I come in with DeAndre Hopkins Gronk I mean you can't feel bad about that right 
No, not at all. I, I think that's an actually a very interesting wrench. And I've seen Kronk falling to three, round three even at times, and I take him every single time. If he's there in round three and you don't take Kronk, you're just an idiot. You got to – I have him at pick 20, so I would take him towards the tail end of round two. That, I mean, those, you saw what it did if you, you won your championship last year. When you have that edge – Oh, man. It's it, a huge edge. I was not a believer. I took him almost because right. I had to. He was clearly the best person yeah. available. But, I mean – it's undeniable the edge that I had on people with this guy. I mean, he's a points machine. Absolutely. I mean, you're thinking about that. That's almost like a wide receiver one when you make that selection. Oh, uh, yeah. And the only thing that does is, you know, we talked about taking those stabs. You're, you're trying to form a lineup of what eight or so people. You need to get those multiple positions balanced out and take as many shots of those as you can. But when you got a floor and a ceiling as high as Gronk at a, a position where there's so much uncertainty, it is a huge edge if you are able to hit those later round stabs. So, uh, I mean, when you do something like that, you just got to see what position did I sacrifice for. I almost, if I'm going to take a Gronk, I want to make sure I get at least one receiver and one running back to kind of balance it out with those first three picks rather than going running back, running back, tight end. I mean, then you're probably looking at, I've done that before for a guy picking at two. We ended up doing Le'Veon Bell, Jordan Howard, and Gronk. And I mean, that was a great start. Our receivers were Larry Fitzgerald and Juju. So then you're looking, though, that, I mean, you don't have a guy that you truly love at the top of your wide receiver core, but Gronk makes up for that because you're looking at him as your wide receiver one. The rest of that draft, though, you're now taking as many stabs at wide receiver as you can versus taking too many running back stabs because you got to feel better about Jordan Howard and Le'Veon Bell than you do whatever your receivers are. So I, I think you can mix those guys, and especially Gronk. Yeah, obviously, the only other two you might consider are Kelsey and Zach Ertz, two huge edge-gaining guys. Uh, just so I, you I, know, I wouldn't consider either one of them. Gronk's the only guy I would consider uh, in the first two rounds. And he has the bigger, see, on the more consistency of the track record with Tom Brady. There are some more questions whether Pat Mahomes and, and Kelsey will gel. What was Sammy Watkins do to his production? Zach Ertz, was he a one-hit wonder? Uh, you know, who knows? I, I actually like to lean and find those guys where Ertz was going last year. I was huge on Ertz's value. Those are the tight ends I like, like the Kyle Rudolph this year. Mm. Or, you know, the late-round stabs. You got George Kittle. You got, you know, Austin Ferrian, Jenkins, Vance McDonald even later in the draft. It's almost like quarterback in a way because it's a one starter position that you can you know get by with taking no tight ends into the last few rounds and then just taking a bunch of stabs obviously quarterback you have the higher floors though there's much more track record of those guys panning out um so i don't love you know most often i am taking running backs receivers first four picks locking those in two of each if a gronk falls to me at the right price you know beyond pick 20 of course i can't pass up on that so it's a good point. You just view him as a tight end one, and then whatever position you sacrifice the depth, load up on and give yourself those stabs. Fair enough. We'll be right back with the stock watch right after this. All right, we are back. We're about to hit a jam-packed stock watch, so we're going to try to keep the wolf to a minute, maybe two at the absolute max on each one of these guys. Uh, if you're interested in a little more elaboration on some of this stuff or you want to hear what, what actually got written about him, roadstreetjournal.com slash stockwatch. Is that correct? I mean, is that the... Absolutely. I, I never write about these email addresses, but pretty easy to find. Our website, by the way, I mean, for those of you that listen to the podcast, I'm sure most of you probably know about the website. Really easy to navigate, really good stuff. Um, tons and tons of information on there. There's stuff that's uh, new on there every single day. Check it out. 
Um, stock watch. We're going to start out with a little bit of Josh Gordon action. And Josh Gordon's stock mm-hmm. recently took a little hit. We got a big down next to his name. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so today's been a, an interesting one for him. You know, at one hour, it was he just didn't show up and no one knew what going on. The state industry and everybody's wondering, did he relapse? Did he, you know, take a hit and now he's That's out? What I was wondering. Uh, but everybody since then, Schefter. I, of course, it's very sketchy. That's the first thing you wrote to me. It sounds very sketch. And I was like, yeah, it sounds horrible. An hour later, Schefter kind of helped clear the air and say he didn't have any slip-ups or failed tests. It's a proactive defensive gesture to get counseling to try to ensure that he does not have any setbacks, setbacks that have marked his past, according to Schefter. So as a human being, you got to th- feel for the guy and say, you know, I'm proud of him for making the right decision. Obviously, it does raise some red flags in fantasy, though. Is the guy going to show up? Is If he does, is he going to have his head on straight? I think long term, if he shows up, this shows some maturity. It sh- it will ultimately raise his floor if he's able to push through whatever he's going through right now. But the fact that he needs to keep reaching out for help shows it's just a reminder, a good slap in the face, a reminder that there is a lot of red flags with this guy. That you know there is a troubled past that you must consider, and that he could go backwards at any point. So when I had this guy up at twenty five above guys like Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs, Adam. Dealing Amari Cooper, you know th- that tier. I had Josh Gordon leading it off. That was probably a mistake because those guys come with much higher floors. Even if his ceiling, Josh Gordon, is still leading the league in receiving. You know he's an absolute beast, an absolute monster. Everyone's marveling at how hard he's working. Everyone keeps raving about his offseason, and even you know, Chef. And all these reports are saying his head's been on so straight that that's this is why he's continuing to make. Sh- Sure, it stays that way. So ultimately, long term, I hope this is something that's booing his floor and making it higher. But for now, especially if you're drafting this early, if you're that psycho, you got to consider Gordon a much bigger risk because we don't know if and when he's going to show up. And obviously, Landry, in the meantime, gets a pretty solid bump up. He's going to be the guy that that inherits these targets, that gets the time to build the chemistry and really establish himself as the clear-cut receiver for Todd Haley, who who loves working his receivers uh, better than anybody else. So... I think Landry gets bumped up. Josh Gordon goes from 25 to about. I know I'm going over the time limit. I apologize, but this is a big one. This is a big. It's one. a big one. But look, uh, uh, here's what I want to say about it, and I'll, I'll keep it brief. Yes, we we love the talent, you know. And I, I every time you've talked about how great he is, and you're starting to suck me in. I, I would always check you with like, oh, don't you know? Like I'm not sure I trust him. I'm not, you know. There's and you know, it sounds to me like this was a proactive move. I'm going to take him at their word, and and you know, assume that it wasn't. But how quickly? Were we willing to believe that like he was mm-hmm. he was on drugs immediately? Yep. Immediately exactly. we believed it, and point. that's why you can't really. I mean, like like it it wasn't a stretch at all. We both were like, yeah. oh, he's he's on drugs. He's gonna be out for the season. That's why you can't put him ahead of these other guys. Yep, very he, true. He's a he's a potentially huge lottery ticket score though. It could be huge, but do you take Landry now above Josh Gordon? No. Still no, the, the no, upside. But, I, but I didn't. I, yeah. I didn't like Landry as much uh, as you did. Okay. Anyway, but uh, yeah, no, I don't. I, but I wasn't going to take Landry particularly high anyway. All right, yeah. let's talk Leonard Fournette. You got him at a slight up uh, as far as the stock watch goes. Why? Because he's losing some weight, and I know this is the time of the year where you hear everyone's in the best shape of their lives. But he weighed in today, 15 pounds down from last year, up to, down to 223, the lightest he's been since high school. And usually, I, you know, it's the best shape of his career. Blah, 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 roll your eyes, all that. 
But for running backs, it's historically there's a decent track record of guys like Le'Veon Bell. 2014, he comes out and says, after my rookie year, I got a little heavy. Uh, he drops 20 pounds. And then his sophomore campaign was when he had that 2,215-yard, 11 TD year. Uh, Carlos Hyde last year says, I'm going to drop weight to, to fit the system better. And we saw his best season uh, of his career, total yards-wide. But where both these guys exploded – and where I would love to see this affect Leonard Fournette most was in the receiving game. Le'Veon Bell obviously was a, a, one of the best natural receivers, but he went from 45 catches and 400 yards, no TDs, to 83 catches, 854, and three TDs. I mean, he was much more versatile as a receiver. Hyde had 59 catches after never having more than 27 in his career for 350 yards, doubling his yards output. So maybe this gives Leonard Fournette a little bit more agility in the, uh, the receiving game. Maybe he's getting away from linebackers that much better. Uh, he's already still he's still a truck. He's 223. He's still a monster. So I'm not worried about him losing his power and becoming easier to tackle. He's going to be that. It's just one of those things that I keep getting a feeling in my gut that like Leonard Fournette is just going to explode. As long as he stays healthy. I know you're nervous about his ankles, as you should be. But, man, if this guy can stay together for 16 games, I really think he could be that next guy that you're like, oh, another running back lost weight. And it really made him a better receiver. And he just becomes – an absolute monster. I, I'm a big fan. His line's a huge upgrade at this point. He was already at number 12 for me. I only moved him up one spot because he had nowhere really to go. Uh, but I, I would now take Leonard Fournette over Dalvin Cook, which I couldn't have even imagined just a couple months ago. And so I'll, I'll close this out on this with the question that everybody really wants to know, which is, do you now weigh more than Leonard Fournette? <laughs> no, in my worst in college, uh, I got I, I surpassed the 230, but I'm at a nice felt 205 or so right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how about you, Truth? How much? What do you tip the scales at these days? Um, like you're, you're a tall guy, but between like 205 and 210, like like so pro- you're no longer for net 207, something like that. But I'm six one. I mean, I'm you know, uh, if Leonard that Fournette, one if, of our, if Leonard Fournette ran into me, team. like he would crush me like an egg. So. Of course, yes. <laughs> Me too. Right. Any of us would get crushed like an egg by Leonard Fournette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, wait, you think we should do a weight loss challenge or something? I was just going to say, we have these running bets. Maybe one of them is a, a weight loss challenge, Truth versus Wolf. And we'll get CJ in there too. I know. He, he's got a little pudge to him, yeah. <laughs> I like it. If you're like listening, that. CJ, and I know you are, let's talk about this. All right, ne- <laughs> next stock watch, uh, Mitch Trubisky down. And I love the opening quote with this. According to the Chicago Tribune, Mitch Trubisky's early camp performance could, quote, best be described as inconsistent. Love it. What do you think it could worst be described as? <laughs> right? Jack shit? Horrendousness? Like, what? I don't know. Inconsistent's the best word for it is not a, not a great sign. Um, but we, after last podcast, we raved about the Bears, how they're the offense that's set to take a huge turnaround. And this is just a reminder that this is Mitch Trubisky, whose arm we're all depending on right now. And I I know CJ's not a fan. He knows the college players much more than me. I was never like a diehard Mitch Trubisky guy. I was putting more of the faith in Nagy. And I still have faith. It's early on in camp. It's a very complex system. Andy Reid's scheme is one of the most complex in the entire league so i'm not worried quite yet this always happens there's growing pains when there's a new coordinator we saw it with the rams last year we know how that all turned out so i'm not hitting the panic button i'm not ditching out on my bears predictions all of a sudden but we do need to make sure we're watching mr trubisky i bet you he's going to get a ton of preseason reps because he is trying to fit into this new offense and and we'll see how it goes The, the comments again he made some gorgeous throws deep down the field that's his cannon arm was on display and he's overthrowing people on the 
the easy route. So, I mean, obviously we need to see that cleaned up. Obviously we want to see signs of it before we start putting him in our need to have it, you know, QB two range, which he was in for me, but now it's, he moved a slight bump down. I still trust him. I'm still going to hold out on it, but now I'd, I'd rather have, let's say Tyrod Taylor, who we've raved about at, at the same length, Marcus Mariota. We've talked a lot about how he could be a great fit for LaFleur. Uh, Trubisky falls below them and is a little bit lower in that, you know, high upside QB two for me at this point, but he's still on my list of guys. I'm looking at where he's going in round 14, 15. I'll add him to the QB stable unless I just, he just keeps fanning out and bombing all camp. I expect that we'll see some uh, signs that he's going to be improving soon. Fair enough. I'm not touching Trubisky. I wasn't touching him before. Uh, you said you drop him <laughs> below Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota. I already had him below those guys. Anyway, and most people do too. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Chris Carson, we got a penny stock stock watch uh, uh, tidbit because it looks like Chris Carson uh, of the Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle professional football team uh, is going to be opening up training camp as the Seahawks lead running back. Wolf, does this matter as much as, uh, you know, possibly we reflexively think it does? I think it really could considering, you know, Chris Carson showed well last year. He's gotten only rave reviews by notorious, you know, fantasy guzzler, uh, and, and, Pete, and Pete Carroll, he loves to just guzzle his players off. I'm sure you said Eddie Lacy was incredible shape last year at many oh, different points. Oh, such good so, shape. Uh, <laughs> exactly. The best. P90X, remember all that? Oh, my God. Just the, the worst. I, I um, mean, but, we did not buy this. I mean, I no, we, did, we did not believe the hype. Uh, you were maybe a year too late, but even last year, you were not buying into Eddie Lacy. No, I, I never bought into Eddie Lacy as a serious. As soon as I found out his hard offseason workouts were the same joke workouts I do in my basement, I I did not have any faith in Eddie Lacy ever returning um, but Chris Carson is a beast I don't know if you've ever seen the guy's arms he's absolutely he's jacked guy. out of his mind uh, his biceps are incredible but the guy's a solid runner so if he has that role he gotta at least look at his ADP the reason it's a big deal is his ADP is 138 overall and running back 46 this guy could be the lead running back of a Russell Wilson offense I don't think that's gonna happen I think Rashad Penny they put so much draft capital trading up to get this guy they said right after they drafted him he's our three down back I still expect that um, but ultimately you gotta take approach Penny with quite a bit more caution. Already his line was horrendous, so you had to be worried about that. And now if this is going to be maybe a committee situation, if it's not as clear that Penny's the guy, I mean, if they were that sold, why would Carson open camp as the starter? Ah, it makes you a little bit nervous on Penny. He went from 38 overall around like the McCaffrey range for me, now to more the the 60s, the Marshawn Lynch's and the Burkhead's as a could really explode but man i'm not trusting him in my rb2 anymore we talked about those first four rounds penny would have been one of those guys i would have rounded out my running back that those first four rounds with no more not even close he's right in that marshawn lynch tier and and carson becomes a guy i'm looking at late especially at his price right now and you know i feel bad that i even had to do the timer there on you because we spent 20 30 seconds talking about eddie lacy um, oh man which, I mean, you, you and i <laughs> Cannot talk about Eddie Lacy in five second increments. We got to riff a little bit anytime we talk about no. the guy. We got to bring. We didn't even bring up Crab Rangoon. There's just so much to talk about. So much size to talk about. So much Crab Rangoon eating. My God. So much Is it, to talk how about. many Crab Rangoon? Who do you think that guy's committed to this offseason? Now that he's not even trying to be in shape at this point. I mean, I is, he, is he? He's out of the league. He's definitely out of the league. I don't know if he's trying to get back into it or get signed, but he's certainly last. If he's I saw, not even, it. if he's out of the league and not even trying to get back, I mean, forty a day probably. <laughs> Just his warm up, his morning breakfast, forty yeah. rangoons. Well, I think he probably get gets you know eats like 
20 a pop probably. And he does that yeah. probably twice a day. Uh, but that, that's milk. not like the whole meal. That's just like, he, you know, the he, warm-up. he has that with whatever else he's having. Yeah. Um, all right. Jordan Howard, another stock watch for us. Bears coach Matt Nagy is confident Jordan Howard can be an every down player. Um, we actually just talked about Jordan Howard a little bit in the Bears running back situation last week. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, and just to reiterate a couple of those main points, he's going way later than he was last year, a fringe first rounder yeah. last year, and he's now going towards the tail end of the second round. Yet this offense, as we expect, should take a big leap forward under a much better play calling coach. You got to expect some serious touchdown spikage. Now, I, I don't necessarily believe these receiving improvements. I've seen some videos. He's actually made some difficult catches on camera, but again, this is practice. He's talking about how he has to adjust his hands because he never knew how to put his hands the right way. As a football player, you don't know how to put your hands the right way and catch the ball. I mean, I'm a lineman. I guess I can't make fun of him but ultimately you know it's not something you just pick up and you're suddenly like fixed and you're you're way better but i love the amount of effort he's putting onto it i know that i love that he knows it's a weakness and he's really trying to fix it and nagy does love throwing to his back so if he's gaining confidence that howard can turn this around that's not a bad thing so even if you get 20 30 more receptions in addition to the you know seven eight plus touchdowns that i think we're going to see added to the six he had last year that's huge that's huge to his value it makes him a safer pick in the ppr leagues where a lot of people well you know Ignore him for for the wrong causes. I, I think people overstate PPR leagues and how it can affect a guy like this. He's racking up rushing yards. He's a beast of a runner. And if he's going to add some receiving to his game, uh, I'm all for it. He's jumped up to 19 or so on my big board. This He was already at 20. He just kind of jumped Gronk for me because I think this guy is a true RB1 that's getting dressed like a, a low-end RB1, if not a, a quality RB2. He's a guy that you really have to have on your radar. I think Howard is going to take a step forward this year, and he already was playing like a monster. I think that this falls into the category of just kind of garbage quotes. Um, if you read, I mean, <laughs> he's confident Jordan Howard can be an every-down player. There's this notion he's just a first and second down back. I don't believe that. Jordan can play all three downs. Yeah, I believe he can play all three downs. I believe he's physically <sighs> capable of playing all three downs. I don't believe he will generally be a three-down player because you got a better, you know, pass catcher, uh, you know, big play guy in Tariq Cohen. So I, I don't see much mm-hmm. changing. I mean, I think, you know, if Cohen gets injured or something, maybe they take some uh, comfort in that because I do think Jordan Howard could probably play three downs, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think anything changes. Yeah, I think I think you brought up a really big point that as we sift through these stock watches, when you're analyzing this news, you really want to make sure the ones you buy into, the ones you sink your teeth in, have actually some actionable, you know, evidence tied to it. Not just a coach saying, Oh, I think this guy's gonna explode or oh this guy's gonna do actually What's he gonna say? No, effort. he's not good yeah. enough. Exactly. And, and so those are the type of coach speaks you got to be careful of if it's just pure coach speak. But you do want to look for the things like, oh, is this guy moving around the formation more often? Is this guy coming out of the backfield on more routes? Is he getting peppered with targets in practice? When you see action tied to it, and I think Howard, in these clips, we've seen him you know, doing some body contorting and catching some balls. And I think there's a, a little bit of action tied to the coach speak here. The coach speak part of it, that's why I didn't even dive into the quotes. I, that stuff means nothing to me. There is some a lot of video and, and quotes coming out that he is coming out of the backfield a lot more fluidly than he was last year so uh, again let me see what the pads on in the game situation but you're, you're dead right like the coach speaks quotes only those are the blurbs you gotta just throw out and yep. ignore yep. there's got to be some action tied to it yep. we're gonna give the ball to cj spiller till he pukes um <laughs> remember that dude that was the first year i think i met you it can't 
He's like, until he pukes. Oh, that was the ultimate coach puke quote of all time. Man, such garbage. Anyway, uh, <laughs> last but not least, definitely not least on the stock watch, uh, in the uncomfortable stock watch department, LaShawn McCoy reporting to camp on yeah. time Wednesday. Does it change where he should be ranked? Ugh. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> ah, I, I, I wrote it as a question because I was hoping you'd give me your answer to it first. I moved him up a little bit in this in light of this news. I put him back into that, you know, RB2 range for me. But the, the things that haven't changed are his horrible line, his horrible overall offense, his age is 30, he's got high mileage. That all exists. I like the fact that a little bit of risk seems to be removed if he's getting allowed to report to camp on time, if he's if he's in the mindset to go to camp. The, you know, maybe this is just going to get kind of under, you know, go away and disappear. But it's just still, a, you know, I don't want to root for this guy. I don't like that there's any extra additional risk. Where I have him ranked, I know somebody's going to take him above me, so I'm not going to have to worry about it anyways. Right. Uh, but he, yeah, I mean, he moved up from like the 50s to like, oh, if he's still somehow there at 40, okay, I'll take him. That, that's kind of all this did for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, does not. I mean, I guess, like you said, the fact that he's willing, that he's showing up at camp, and he hasn't been put on like the, you know, you can't play this guy list. I guess is yeah. encouraging if you can call it that. Um, yeah. I, I'd find it even more encouraging if it came out that he definitely didn't have anything to do with this. But like you said, all yes. the <laughs> all the uh, risks and stuff that that you were quite outspoken about before this, <laughs> uh, they all still exist. Exactly. All right, uh, that's it. We're going to come back with some glossary action, and then right after that, we're going to get into our featured segment, some training camp burning questions right after this. All right, we are back. Gonna give you a little teaser. Uh, some we got a pretty good fantasy football glossary that we've been working on, you know, just on and off for a couple of years now. And uh, we're gonna give you a couple definitions and examples because they're actually gonna play in pretty well to the featured segment, the burning uh, questions from training camp. What was the example I gave you when we were talking about burning questions before? I was asking you questions. Uh, <sighs> Something about UTIs, I want to say. <laughs> that, that was what you you got me the uh, the beds are the the hit song by oh, Midnight, yeah, Midnight Oil. Midnight Oil, which I was very but surprised you were, that you got. Yeah. By the way, one of my favorites. I, I love was, that. I song. was surprised you got that, but I no, I think I was talking about um, the sensation you have uh, when you're urinating uh, or something like that, and it was burning. I don't remember how I yes. phrased it, but uh, we're getting back to that in just a minute. Right now, we're going to talk mm-hmm. glossary. Um, let's talk about pie. Do you like pie, Wolf? Love pie. What's your Who favorite? doesn't like pie? Your you like favorite? pie? Yeah, sure, of course. What's your favorite kind of pie? Uh, I'm pretty basic. I love just a, a nice apple pie yeah. with a nice scoop of vanilla ice cream next to it. Give it to me all day. That's what I was going to say, too, actually. Uh, yeah, basic, there we go. Basic guys over here at the Road Street <laughs> Journal. What do you think CJ's favorite kind of pie is? Uh, pregnant woman. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything better. I was going to say something uh, just just as ridiculous as that. Yeah, it's right, right along those like, lines. I was trying yeah. to think what's what's the uh, fruit equivalent to what CJ's into. I couldn't come up with it. <laughs> like anyway. strawberry rhubarb or like something <laughs> weird like that. You know, like, nah. Ugh, nah. something weird. Yeah, you know so, CJ. Something, something <laughs> weird. Something weird. Um, anyway, <laughs> so anyway, the pies we're going to talk about are twofold. Uh, aerial pies and ground pies. Um, let's talk about aerial pie. Aerial pie, that's a noun. Uh, it's a way to describe or visualize how the passing attack of a team is broken down. 
Think of a mm-hmm. pie graph, or if that is boring for you, think of any other delicious edible or inedible pie that you want. Something circular, let's say. Um, an example of that would be, and I, this is uh, clearly something that was written a couple years ago, but it's nice. It's a walk down memory lane. In the 2016 season, A.J. Green got the biggest serving of the Bengals' aerial pie. Well, that's always true. Although mm-hmm. Brandon LaFell ended up getting a surprisingly large piece, too. Backup mm-hmm. tight end Ryan Hewitt would have starved to death if the aerial pie was actually food. And I know what you're saying. <laughs> I know what you're saying. You're saying, Nat, you've always hated Ryan Hewitt. Yeah, and now, why? And you're always, you're always looking for excuses to just... Uh, you know, embarrass uh, backup tight end from 2016 on the Bengals, Ryan Hewitt. And here you go again. Well, you, guilty is charged. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and it, also, it's worth noting the quality of the quarterback affects the quality or flavor of an aerial pie as well. Tom Brady serves up fantastic apple or blueberry pie, whereas Brock Osweiler's aerial pie mostly consists of shit scraped off the bottoms of people's shoes. A cow pie, if you will. That's the aerial pie. We will be talking about those uh, as, as we move forward. Let's talk about ground pie. And if you were listening, if you were listening to the aerial pie definition, you could probably figure out what a ground pie is. But I'm going to read it to you anyway. A way to describe or visualize how the rushing attack of a team is broken down. Think of a pie graph uh, or any other delicious edible or inedible circular pie if you want. An example of that is there are just too many different slices of the Patriots ground pie for me to feel too good about investing in a New England running back. Yes, so what else is new? Even if a guy gets a healthy piece one week, there is no guarantee that he will be feasting the following game. Any thoughts Mm. on these uh, pies, Wolf? No, I think it's just a great way to visualize creatively, you know, how are targets for the aerial pie? How are they being distributed? And and ground pie, how those those carries, those are what you're kind of looking at for both of them as the, the meat or the fruit or whatever you're filling your pie with, you know, targets for the aerial, carries for the uh, the ground. And it's a good way when you get into training camp to look at, you know, which aerial pies or target or, or ground pies are most opened up, which one, which pie has not as many people from last year that were eating it, uh, that how many seats at the buffet are open this year and how is it going to be fed out? That's kind of how I, I like picturing it. As we go down to these training camp dilemmas we're about to get to, you think about, you know, how is that Patriots? You just mentioned them. How is that area? How's that ground pie? You know, tons of points are coming out of that ground pie. How's that going to be spread out and distributed? It's a cool, interesting way to visualize it. I think that was a really good term uh, coined by the RSJ here. It's a favorite of mine. Now, and I do want to just be clear. If it were a real pie, Eddie Lacy would be getting it all. Oh, all of it. Yes. <laughs> um, and doing nothing. Just like, no, doing nothing. Right. If it's the real, the, the ground pie, he's getting literally none. But if it were an actual, some yes. pie of, of at least marginally good taste, he would eat 100% of that pie. Um, He'd eat the Brock Osweiler pie, I bet. <laughs> right. If he hadn't eaten in a couple hours, yeah, he probably would have. All right. Uh, so that's going to take us right into the featured segment. And that, of course, is our training camp burning questions. Uh, 365 degrees burning down the house. Uh, beds are burning, etc., etc. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult burning for you. Any song with the word burning in it, uh, you can throw that in right now and you can feel pretty good about yourself. But before we get right into it, I want to talk a little bit about our upcoming training camp kickoff draft guide, which is going to feature ranking, stock grades, bottom lines on over 100, count them 100 players. Uh, more burning questions, as if, I mean, you know, if this isn't enough for you, we got more burning questions in this thing. Uh, as well as a lot of predictions. The Road Street Journal expert draft, grades on uh, said draft, 
so much more. Wolf, quick thoughts on this. You're obviously responsible for a lot of this. I can't wait to get it out there. It's the we're, we're way ahead of the game this year now, being all football for the the first full off season. So we've gotten ahead. We have a great guide coming out for you, and I think it's just important, you know, that you see those CVS guides, right? You, those magazines are all coming out right now too and it's awesome but we'll give you a better one than that right now we're going to give you another one towards the ends of august right before your your draft we're going to just give you a pure just strategy based guide too so i mean that's what i love about this is we're not just going to give you one and then leave you high and dry this one's going to get you ready for training camp get you ready to monitor everything kind of identify who are the bargains and the values and the overprices right now how is that market maybe changed come Late August, remember Kelvin Benjamin and how everything changed. And I remember, yeah, I remember he was. Man. I remember he was the best receiver in football for a week. Exactly right. So I mean, the values will change over the course of the summer based on the news and how it's coming out. Um, and this is just the perfect way to kind of, if you haven't done anything yet. If you haven't, and most normal humans honestly haven't, this is the time that most people start, and this is the perfect way, uh, along with our coaching carousel, kind of combine those two, get to a beach, and just read for fantasy all day. You'll have yourself 100% caught up and in wolf mode ready for the rest of the summer. All right, here's how this segment's going to break down. We're going to do an A, B, C, and D for each one of these questions, and there's five burning questions. Um, and A is going to be the team and the questions surrounding them. Um, B, why we need to know. C, what we already know. And D, predictions on this thing. Um, and mm-hmm. look, if, if you are wanting to know more about this stuff, of course, read the guide. But also, shoot us a line. Um, ask us some questions. Uh, hit the wolf up on Twitter. Um, you know, hit the Rose Street Journal email, anything like that. And, and you know, we, we pride ourselves on getting back to people that ask us questions uh, pretty much 100% of the time. I'd say also 100%. Check, check out the YouTube That's channel too. A lot of people uh, have been engaging on YouTube also, which is pretty nice. Um, mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh, Patriots offense. This is burning question number one, which like we said, is going to be broken down into four points. Let's talk about the Patriots offense. How will the massively valuable ground pie, aforementioned ground pie, uh, running back workload in New, or- in New England be distri- distributed, especially at the goal line? How will Brady gel with his new targets? Wolf break it down yep so so we're looking at both aerial pies and ground pies at the end that question and when you talk about the patriots offense we know it's going to be toward the top of the nfl it's hasn't been outside the top 10 in so many years maybe not even the top five so we know this is a valuable offense to track that's why you need to track it is it's tom brady's offense it's a good line and just whatever is getting blessed by the hand of brady is going to be valuable in fantasy we know last two years this backfield has uh, accumulated the second most fantasy points in back-to-back seasons as a total backfield there is a lot of value both in the backfield both out wide uh so we need to we really need to study this what do we know already not a whole ton because it's the patriots you don't think a lot's going to be released ever out of new england they have their steel traps out there uh but mike reese a long time beat writer from New England says he thinks Burkhead's going to keep that goal line role. That might be the most valuable role um, in all of the backfield, of course, because you're just going to constantly be just plunge, plunge, plunge. We saw Blunt fall forward for like 18 touchdowns not two seasons ago. So if Burkhead is going to be locked in there, that makes him an insane value uh, where he's going right now at 97 overall, RB38. Ridiculous that you can get this guy in round nine uh, and potentially he's going to be a, a – 
he's an easy bet for 10 plus touchdowns if he is in, at that actual role. He had eight and 10 games last year. Uh, so it, even if he just maintains that role, it's a huge one. Sony Michelle, one of the most explosive potential talents, um, definitely more explosive than Burkhead if he can translate from what we saw on the college tape, just a violent slashing runner um, that could be, he, he often is compared to Alvin Kamara. This offense is as explosive as the Saints. So if the Patriots choose to use him that way, there is the potential for him to have an Alvin Kamara type of ceiling. Uh, again, assuming his talent makes that leap just as well as Alvin Kamara did. Of course, that's you know 10%, 20% chance he actually makes that t- 10%, I would say, that type of impact. But the ceiling is there. That could totally happen. So this backfield's, of course, extremely valuable. And then there's so many new targets right now with Edelman being suspended for four weeks, with Brandon Cooks now out of the picture. Is it going to be Chris Hogan? Is he going to be the absolute dominant target hog? Uh, they're saying... And he's been looking really good so far um, in all the OTAs and whatnot. But who else might play? And, you know, Cordell Patterson, they've talked up a little bit. Maybe he becomes the deep guy once Brandon Cooks is removed. Maybe Philip Dorsett finally does something for once in his career. Jordan Matthews is a guy, though, out of all the guys. Of course, Hogan's at the top of my list right now because he's going to be that number one option. Um, and he has the, the established chemistry with Brady, but I'd really be looking at Jordan Matthews right now as well. Mike Rice predicted he's going to make the roster. He's going to inherit that kind of slot role in Julian Edelman's absence. Very valuable uh, chunk of the aerial pie, even if it's only for four weeks. Then you could even, you know, he doesn't get drafted. You could do Jordan Howard, your last pick, take Edelman in round seven and kind of lock up that Patriot slot receiver for the whole season. I think that's a, a, a great steal um, of a price right now. All right, well, let's talk about, I mean, you know, we talked about the Patriots' ground pie, but let's talk about uh, another fairly important ground pie, and that, of course, belongs to the Tennessee Titans. Um, how is work going to shake out between the hand-picked Deion Lewis and the incumbent Derrick Henry? Weird to think of Derrick Henry as the incumbent. Also, by the way, DeMarco Murray retired. Do you see that? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I know he wasn't on the Titans anymore, but still, I just feel like, you know, maybe worth pouring a 40 out on the curb for, uh, yeah. for DeMarco. Uh, I know. I loved watching that guy run. He really steamrolled some people when he was in his prime. Seven years in the league. Not a long career. Yeah. Not a long career. No, I mean, no. He produced quite a bit for you know at least a couple of those seasons. Um, anyway, weird yeah. thinking of uh, Derrick Henry as the incumbent now, but that's exactly what he is. So how's the workload? How's this ground pie going to look? Yeah, and the reason this one's so important, we talk about that why, is the new offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur. He's all about marrying the run and pass games. Um, that, that's his whole quote. And his last few stops, he's, he's a Kyle Shanahan bred guy, uh, Sean McVay bred with the, the Rams. So he's been groomed under the best two offensive minds uh, in, in football right now, the young offensive minds at least. And both of those offenses led the league in scoring the last two years, and both of them funneled through the backfield, whether it was Todd Gurley being an absolute horse and just compiling 2,100 total yards and 19 touchdowns on his own, whether it's Devonta Freeman and Coleman racking up you know, 2,500 total yards and close to 25 touchdowns. Both offenses have really had the heartbeat as their running game. So we need to absolutely study how is this being distributed. Is it a complete committee or is somebody emerging as you know a 70-30? How is this going to be split up? Uh, so far, what do we know? Uh, LaFleur has said right now it's a, a 1A and a 1B. We have two talented guys. Uh, this is our foundation, and we're going to just keep both of those guys out there uh, and, and use them as much as we can. I feel confident in both guys. They both bring a little bit different to what they do, but I think we got two really good backs that we're excited about. That's what he says so far. Let's see how that's going to end up ultimately shaking out. I do think as a prediction – 
I, I see it remaining a committee. I don't think Deion Lewis is going to suddenly just put Henry on the bench full time. I think Henry's still a steamroller. He's still a beast. So he'll remain involved. That being said, I think Lewis is also a better fit at that marrying the running and, and pass games because he is so versatile as a pass catcher um, and would make that offense more unpredictable when he's in there. So I could see him ultimately ending up with more total yardage, but Henry racking up more rushing yardage, getting more touchdowns, both guys being good values because they're in a committee. They have a committee stench about them, but there's going to be just so much volume coming through this backfield that I think both of them could ultimately be value. Henry going at 39-ish or so, so you know, a little bit into round four, Lewis around pick 60. So if I had to choose one, I'm going to go with the value because I think both kind of finish with similar totals. But I, I like this backfield a lot, and I have no qualms taking either of them. And Hen- Henry of either one could like totally just explode. I think it'd be Henry because of Lewis's extensive injury history. He, you know, there's just a litany of injuries. You can find out about him. Uh, if you read about Matt LaFleur and our coaching carousel guide, we really break this down. Uh, but I think both backs are, are highly viable options. Even if it's a committee, committee stench, I compare them to kind of a, a saint's light in that both are, are quality guys. You can really depend on All right. Well, this burning question exists every single year. Can exciting rookie running backs take over the starting roles? How far can they distance themselves, if so? And this year it applies to, as follows, Rashad Penny from Seattle, who I actually talked about recently. Uh, Royce Freeman uh, for the Broncos. Nick Chubb for Cleveland, who we've also talked about in the past. Ronald Jones on the Bucks. Carrion Johnson for Detroit. And uh, we're assuming uh, Geis is the clear starter in uh, Washington. So I guess possibly that's not even worth discussing. Uh, But why don't you hit those guys real quick, starting with Penny. And I think guys, the only reason I put that name on there is just now at this point, if you're doing a rookie-only draft, early on we were saying that it's Saquon Barkley and then you kind of have like a tier of Penny and Geis and Michelle. At this point, I would put Geis as kind of the clear number two and then it's now more Michelle Penny because of how cloudy some of these situations have become. Uh, Penny, we already talked about. I do think he emerges as the lead guy, gets about 60 to 70% of the work um, and, is, and is pretty valuable in the process of doing so. Royce Freeman, what do we know so far? All, they, all we know is Vance Joseph said we're going to use two to three backs, main backs, he main calls backs. them. Main backs. We have all the beat writers saying they've talked about Devonta Booker so much that they expect him to be the starter. Uh, and regardless of how all involved Freeman becomes, it's going to always feature a heavy dose of Devonta Booker. I don't think this offensive line's all that great. I don't think Keith Keenum's going to – I think he's going to prove to be a, a bust. And I don't think the Broncos' offense really takes off at all. So I'm not that interested in this backfield, to be honest. If it's going to be a committee and it's going to be unpredictable all year, I don't want either of them anyways. So predicted, I think Freeman will become the main guy because he's more talented than anybody. I just also don't think it's going to matter, so I won't touch him. Ronald Jones, they're saying, what do we know? 15 to 20 touches are per game this season are the early predictions from the beat writers. Uh, and that seems about right. He's just a little bit smaller, uh, more... He can't be a true workhorse, but that seems about right for him. 15 to 20, he's so explosive. He could do some serious damage with that. Uh, but this offensive line is god-awful. And then we got you know Jameis Winston out for three games. So if he gets value, I don't think it's going to be in those first three weeks where they have a, a really tough and um, early season schedule. They're all saying the coaches, he's going to share the load with Peyton Barber. They always mention Barber's our starter, and he's had a great offseason. That guy's 
going on draft, he's getting picked 200. So I would say, you know, Barber might be the value play there as a last round starter. Maybe he becomes a guy that just impresses and does way better than anybody would expect. Because I don't think he's just your average plotter, which a lot of people label him as. I know he ran real tough last year in a bad situation. Nick Chubb, as you said, we've talked a lot about Carlos Hyde, the early favorite to open up as the starting running back. Um, but the Browns running back coach, Freddie Kitchen, said, we're going to uh, ride that hot hand. If somebody gets it, we're not going to take him out. And I think Chubb is the most talented and violent runner. The coach said he loves that about him, how violently he runs. I think if there's going to be one guy that gets such a hot hand that they can't give it up, it would be Chubb. So I like his value in the 10th round right now. Um, and, and then is there any others? That, that all of them? I think we hit them all there. Uh, carry on Johnson. Oh, carry on Johnson, right. Who cares? I, I hate it. They're live. Well they said. Make some great improvements. So I do like that. I, I think this offense is a solid offense with Matt Stafford, but ultimately they've already said we're going to use all four of our running backs. I don't like three-headed committees. I don't like two-headed committees. I certainly don't like four-headed committees. So I'm not touching him. I think he's going to be like a, a between the twenties guy that looks good and does okay, uh, but ultimately is nothing that you can depend on. And just to remind the listeners uh, real quick, what was what was uh, I referred to on YouTube because of my lack of love for Nick Chubb? Oh, it was a uh, total ass wipe moron. If Moron-, I believe, I believe, the correct I believe moronic ass wipe was actually the phrase. Oh, okay. That's the ordering of it. I, I just knew those were the, the adjectives and words used to describe you. And accurately so. Right. You knew ass wipe was in there and you knew moron was in there. Um, and all right. Uh, whatever order, they, they fit you pretty well. Yeah, like a glove. Uh, question number four. <laughs> the health of key quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, and Carson Wentz all enter camp with health question marks. Uh, Andrew Luck for several seasons in a row now. Uh, where do they stand? How big are each of the, are each of them to their offenses? Obviously pretty damn yeah. big, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can answer that one pretty quickly. Right. Humongous. Um, and where do they all stand, though? Thankfully, we do have a lot of information, at least on two of these guys. Everything about Watson has been positive. He expects to be a full go for the camp next week was the last report to come on him. He said, I feel great to NFL Network. I'm getting ready for next week uh, to report and let be full go is what he said. He hasn't been wearing his brace as of late. So everything in his camp is great. And he's already come out and the team's already come out. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago and said, we're not changing his style of play. That's who he is. And he said, I'm not changing my style of play. That's, that's who I am. They both recognize that. They're not going to put on restrictions just because of this injury, just because he's their franchise guy. So expect more of Deshaun Watson cheat code status. If there's ever going to be a quarterback that I reach on, it would be him because I think he's one of the only ones that offers that, you know, Cam Newton 2015, Tom Brady 2007, like history that just carries a team. Um, Andrew Luck, what we've got so you far take Deshaun is Watson Chris in the Bath- fifth round. Say you had the first pick in the fifth round. Would you take Deshaun Watson? I still have a hard time. Like, let's say Darius Geis is there. I probably wouldn't pass up on Geis uh, for a quarterback. But yeah, I have I have Watson at like forty seven or so. So yes, I guess by the rankings, I would. It depends who falls there. And and, and mock drafts is usually guys that I like better at the skill positions, but. You know, yeah. If I have, if I've done my thing, you know, two running backs, two receivers, we talked about earlier. No, that's why I'm and saying Deshaun first, Watson first pick there. in the fifth round. First pick in the fifth round. Oh man, I, I could totally see, at least in one league, I will do that this year just because I love him so much. Um, but most often, I it's going to be round 12, 13, 14, and I'm taking my quarterbacks as I keep saying. Um, Andrew Luck, Colts GM Chris Ballard, saying he will be good to go for the start of training camp. <laughs> he's he's been throwing at this point he has no more pain in his surgically repaired shoulder which was not the case last year obviously um so 
all good news. It sounds like he's going to be ready to go and he's not going to have any restrictions, which is crazy to say. It's been a while since we've been able to say that about him. And obviously he's enormous for this offense. Frank Reich, a, a complex scheme, but Andrew Luck, one of the most cerebral guys. A lot of no huddle is what this offense is promising. And Andrew Luck is one of the best no huddle quarterbacks in the game. I really think it's humongous news for T.Y. Hilton, who's going you know, towards the end of round three right now. Could become a major steal. Even if this is a more horizontal-based offense, they're going to put him in a lot of yak, uh, racking up that yak type of situations and I think Hilton could explode because there's really nobody else there to throw to so I think this is huge news Wentz is the only one that doesn't have the most positive news surrounding him uh, but his is a mixed bag it's really tough to read into Doug Peterson said he can't say if Carson Wentz will be ready week one yay very useful stuff there um, but the he you know he's saying it's a, a trainer's decision yep very useful there again so we don't know much there but what we do know is Carson Wentz had been cleared for seven on sevens during OTAs we know Zach Ertz said Carson Wentz is thrown with the same zip, if not more, than he was last year. So to me, everything seems like even if he starts missing a week or two, I I'm, feel almost 100% positive he's going to be out there in week one and he's going to be the beast that he was last year. But he had 30-something touchdowns in only 13 weeks. I think he's just going to pick up where he left off in this creative offense and he's got great weapons at this point. I like him to just, yeah, like I said, continue off where he where he left off last year and be fully ready to go. All right, last burning question. The Hard Knocks team themselves, the Cleveland Browns, are the perfect choice for said program and are yep. littered with questions of importance. Uh, the biggest one, I guess, how far do you think Tyrod Taylor is going to distance himself from uh, your boy Baker Mayfield? Yeah, yeah, I didn't even finish typing up all the questions because there's so many storylines there. We already talked about the backfield battle with Hyde and Chubb, so we don't need to get back into that, but that's going to be awesome to watch. Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield, you know my boys, Tyrod, I think he is going to firmly establish, we're going to watch it on the, the screen, his leadership. I think we're just going to see just how good this guy is and what he does behind the scenes and how he's the first guy in, last guy out type of player. I really think he's going to put some solid leash uh, which is because I think going as one of the last picks in the draft, he comes with humongous upside. I guess if Josh Gordon now, an incredible huge storyline for camp, will he show up? Will we see him in hard knocks? And if not, what does that mean for Jarvis Landry? Is he oh, just going to be absolute- show up? Josh Gordon's got to be on so, Hard Knocks. I would, I would hate if he didn't show up. That would really suck. I, obviously, we're all pulling for him. I think every fan at this point, uh, you know, whether you support anything he's done in his past, you got to be rooting for this guy and how hard he's tried to work at getting his life turned around. So I hope we see him. Um, and if not, what does that mean? How is the target going to be distributed? How is David Nyoku looking? Is he going to be a breakout? Is Todd Haley's scheme too complex? Or are they meshing and learning it and getting it down? I'm just so excited to see what happens in Cleveland. And thankfully for fantasy owners, it's one of the juiciest, most important types of storylines to track. And we're going to be able to watch it all unfold. I, I can't. I love Hard Knocks. And I, this is team. This is the most excited I've been about Hard Knocks, maybe ever. You're excited every time. year about Hard Knocks. You really are. Of course I am. But this is uh, you know more so than the Bucks. Was the Bucks last year, right? Yeah. I, I, I just... My my grandfather's from Cleveland. I have a little bit of those ties. My brother loves the Browns, and I just the team excites me so much. And as a fantasy fan, they're just you couldn't ask for a riper situation with questions along every single position. It's going to be incredible. All right, that's going to do it for the burning questions coming out of training camp. Um, and obviously, we're going to have a lot more to talk about. There's going to be a lot more burning questions. Like I said, uh, check out theroadstreetjournal.com. Um, you're gonna be able to find this and a lot more. And what was the what's the name of the draft guide? I always get it wrong when I have to say it off the top of my head. Uh, what, this what's, one's gonna 
the, tra- the training camp today, kickoff drive guide. This is why I can't ever remember it because you come up yeah. with some catchy new name every time. But you got exactly. you got to check this out, folks. Absolutely. All right, we'll be right back with a little bit of mailbag, and then we'll wrap things up right after this. We are back. Actually got a little mailbag going on here. The first one, uh, and I know this guy, good friend of mine actually, Willie from East Tennessee. Huge Carolina Panthers fan. He was going over the Wolves big board, which first of all, thank you. We appreciate you checking out Mm -hmm. the rankings. Uh, He noticed Christian McCaffrey had taken a hit in the rankings and gone down several slots. He wants to know why. And C.J. Anderson, we've talked about this one a few times, uh, but I really think Christian McCaffrey, even though I like him a lot as a player, and I think real life-wise, he's a very valuable asset to that offense. I think fantasy-wise, he takes a major hit when you get a guy that's a better version of Jonathan Stewart to now inherit those early down, those bruising type of carries. I think McCaffrey could have handled them if it was still sitting there for him, but obviously it no longer is. North Turner's offense has always kind of operated with a, a bruising type of power back and then a shifty type of receiver guy you know he's going to still see close to 100 targets probably still rack up 75 catches just as he did last year uh maybe even more this year as a, as a sophomore north turner always peppers his backs 30 percent of the target share of north turner's history have gone to his running backs McCaffrey's going to be heavily involved but when you take out the now the the goal line looks I feel like Anderson's going to dominate there he's also good in pass protection he's kind of like a souped up Mike Tolbert who dominated under Nerve Turner for two straight seasons and you look at where they're going McCaffrey going at pick 17 right now uh, a second round selection over Gronk over Jordan Howard over McKinnon guys that we absolutely love I can't get on board with any of that, but I can get on board with C.J. Anderson going after pick 100, who I think is going to put up similar total yards by the end of the season, more touchdowns by the end of the season. Even if McCaffrey as a PPR guy catches 80 to 90 balls and and blows Anderson out of the water in PPR leagues, I think the value clearly lies with the big boy. Um, And and McCaffrey, I think, is getting way too overvalued because I just don't see that volume uh, for a second-round price tag. All right, next question. question last question and but this is a big one there's some uh our buddy derek brown uh he gave us a loaded question big ask derek uh and we'll do it because it's (laughs) but but listen to this we love this guy derek brown yeah he's great we should have him on sometime derek brown asks for clarity on the following situations uh raven's backfield target divisions uh at wide receiver uh with the depth charts in arizona indianapolis um the New York Jets in San Francisco, and also uh, wants to know what you think about uh, the recent uh, fall of the uh, national currency in Morocco. Oh, I'm, yes, I'm exactly. Kidding. I just made that last part <laughs> up, but I just figured it would uh, fit in nicely with the slew of questions that Mr. Brown has for us. Ravens backfield, target divisions, uh, wide receiver, <laughs> depth charts in Arizona, Indianapolis, New York Jets, and the 49ers. Go. Uh, so the Ravens backfield, we can start there. I do think Alex Collins, after a very impressive showing last year, uh, was graded out, I believe, as pro football focuses, number one, just pure running back in terms of a bunch of different measures and whatever they do with those metrics. Uh, I, I like the way they grade that. I, I trust their scouting eye there. So he graded out as a, a pure, purely great running back last year, and I owned him, and he was fantastic down the stretch run. So I have a little bit of personal ties to him, but I ultimately think he, he – 
and ha- keeps that role that he, he really dominated and thrived in last year. Uh, Greg Roman, a run-heavy coordinator, I think that Alex Collins will see upwards of 250 or so carries. Kenneth Dixon, obviously you have to monitor because John Harbaugh's always loved this guy. But the guy, whether it's off-field drama, whether it's his own health, has never been able to stay on the field. So I'm not too worried about him. I don't think the team is out there like readying a humongous role for this guy that they've never been able to depend on. I do think he's talented. So when he's out there, I think he will see a smattering of carries. But I do think you can depend on about 17 to 20 or so weekly carries for Alex Collins. And he's going to keep doing what he did down the stretch last year, which is perform as an RB1. So I really like the value you can get on him as a, as a fourth-round guy for your running back two slot. I think he, especially in standard leagues, brings a ton to the table, great at the goal line as well. So I see him remaining that guy. I think Danny Woodhead will still – is he even still with the, the team? I believe he still is, right? He's returning. Um, they, and they do I like cannot to throw confirm running. or deny that. I don't know. I Actually, no. You I kind of feel like he might have retired, actually. He retired. He did retire. Yeah, no. What am I talking about? He definitely retired. Uh, still, Dixon is a decent receiver. So maybe that's how he gets his touches. Maybe that's how Harbo makes sure he gets his boy some looks. So, you know, Dixon does bring – he goes he goes undrafted in most leagues. I think there is some penny stock upside to Dixon. I want to see how he's looking in camp and what the team says about him. But uh, it is an intriguing backfield. I do think – Collins, though, is obviously the guy to own and will maintain that high-end RB2 that you had last year. I just want to, before you get into the aerial pies, I just want to say that even even retired, Danny Woodhead will play in as many games as uh, he generally played every season uh, when not retired. So, go ahead. Right, exactly. You're not missing out a ton there. Um, but then target divisions. So the depth charts, I think that I can kind of divide this one up pretty clearly. AZ and Indy, I think it's going to be a target hog at the top. We're looking at Larry Fitz, obviously, in Arizona. Perfect fit for Mike McCoy, where he likes to do those short routes that create those yak opportunities on bubble screens and slants and getting your receiver on the move and, and hitting him in space in stride. That's what Bradford and Josh Rosen both are very good at. So I think the, the quarterback can execute the scheme well here and i think the routes run fit perfectly what fitzgerald's very good at plus the jump ball opportunities all that i think we're just gonna see a ton of targets come his way after we lost josh brown and jerron brown and whatever other smattering of random receivers they had there i think it's just gonna be a target hog monster season for larry fitz i do think Obviously, you know, Christian Kirk, an exciting rookie. They're mentioning Chad Williams is showing decently. So somebody will emerge behind them, especially with the tight ends now. All in flux, Ricky Seals-Jones is getting in legal trouble and Jermaine Gresham's out there. So there is going to be some looks to be had. And if I had a guess, it would be the athletic freak, which would be Christian Kirk. Uh, But ultimately, I think Larry Fitz is really the only guy that you can own there and actually get some dependable value from. Same deal with T.Y. Hilton. Uh, he's just going to see the the vast majority of those looks, and then who you really look at? Chester Rogers. I mean, the tight ends will see their looks. I really think Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron are going to uh, get a heavy serving of aerial pie. You're just not going to know which week is is Zach Ertz. I mean, is uh, is Jack Doyle's, and which week is is Eric Ebron. So I don't know that I could love having either of those guys, at least as my tight end one. I would never want to start those guys to begin the year. Uh, then you look at the Jets. Robbie Anderson has got to be the guy, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. He, you know, absolute dominant stretch last year. The latest reports, the coach said he's becoming a more complete player and he's set to explode. Uh, Obviously, coach speak, we just talked about you got to be careful with that. There's no real evidence yet to back that claim up. But 
he exploded last year. He was dominating from weeks one through 13. I, I just wrote a stock watch blurb on the guy. He was the wide receiver. I'm pulling it up right now. Stock watch for Robbie Anderson. Um, but I believe it was the wide receiver 14 uh, in standard leagues. And yep, it, it, yeah. wide receiver eight. And, and he had a stretch there. I mean, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he had a stretch where he was like one of the top guys, like over a not insignificant yep. stretch of the season. Weeks seven through 13, he really caught fire with Josh McCowan, averaging over 20 PPR points per game, was actually the number two wide receiver in standard leagues behind only Antonio Brown, number five in PPR leagues over that span. So, I mean, this guy can be a dominant number one guy and he's going in you know 102 overall wide receiver 42 adp so that's one of the best values i think he remains towards the top but you got to also mention quincy anunua returning this year a big body that goes in the slot and and can be a nice security blanket i think anderson's the clear number one target but anunua going largely undrafted a great penny stock to consider in that uh wide receiver core as well uh, and there's one last one that Derek wanted san fran um you got Pierre Garçon and Marquise Goodwin are really the only two receivers I'm I'm worried about. I'm going to side with Goodwin here because he has that established chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and those two really thrived after Pierre Garçon went down. I think that carries over. They continue to use Goodwin the right way, and Pierre Garçon does well. Still a decent value, but he doesn't excite me nearly as much, and I think he kind of takes the back seat this year to Goodwin, is my opinion. All right, fair enough. Uh, great job, Derek. I hope you appreciate that. Um, you need to pay us back by coming on the show uh, sooner, sooner rather than later. Um, before we wrap things up, Wolf, uh, two things that uh, we obviously need to touch on um, that, that did not get mentioned on the podcast. And of course, now that I put that out there, I can only remember one of them. Um, <laughs> but why don't you throw out your social media uh, stuff and, and then I'll try to remember what I was about to say because I've been holding that on. old man been, brain. No, I've been holding on to something uh, for like, you know, 10 minutes or so. And then as soon as, uh, you know. You know what it is? It's the uh, the twit, the tweet that I got that we just have no idea what that uh, means. There you go. Right. And, and see, I, I told you we should have done it at the time. I told you like, yes. oh, we should do it now because you're like, oh, let's do it later. It's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll remember in 40 minutes. Um, oh, all right, I let, trust let, that let's old talk man brain about it. too let's, much. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you were only marginally better. Um, <laughs> all right, Wolf, you got you got a cool tweet recently. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Do you have it pulled up by any chance so you could read the exact words of it? I can pull it up too. If I, not, I can, I can, I can have it. what you texted me. Here it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> from a from a super fan of ours. Uh, from Danger Klaus is that the name? Uh, at real, sounds about uh, right. Danger, real Danger Klaus. Um, replying to Rose Street Wolf, this is why I love the Wolf. Slight sexual attraction, but the fantasy football attraction is stronger. But not by much, in capitals. So, uh, there you go. This is the type of interaction we're getting on the web right now. What do you make of that? What is he trying? Is Am I getting hit? I, I love it, first of all. You're not. The, no, seriously. I mean, you're, I mean, and he's... You're not. He's not an excellent fan on. too. Sure, very yeah. interactive on Twitter. I, I love this guy. If you're a guy, you might be a girl. I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we don't technically know it's a guy. I we mean, don't really like know fantasy it football, is. so the odds are pretty good. Pretty good, it's a guy, and the picture's pink donuts though, so you never know which way that's going. Um, I don't know what to make of this. I, I appreciate it. I'm glad that you're attracted to me in many ways, and I hope to maintain that attraction. Uh, I don't know what I did to gain the sexual attraction necessarily at this point, but. I'm, I'm happy that, that that's there. I, I don't know. Matt, what do you make of this? I, uh, wh- how yeah, should pretty, I feel? Pretty, I, I think you should feel flattered. 
I am flattered. Thanks. Keep them coming. <laughs> if anybody wants to send me something like that, I won't. Uh, I won't complain about it. Um, one more thing. Yeah, let we- us danger. If you're listening, let us know your thoughts on the truth. Is there any sexual attraction there, or is it just pure wolf? <laughs> we'll see. Come on, yeah, let me down easy, danger class. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, guess what? I got my wife finally uh, into after you know about ten years of harassing her. Is she going to play a fantasy league this year? No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> I, I was going to say, there's no way. No, I got her to watch the first two episodes of Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. Nice. What are your thoughts? Is she into uh, it? Oh, uh, she's in. Yeah, she's hooked. She's in. Yeah, she's totally good, good. So anyway, I'll be, so, so that means I get to watch them again. So I've been looking for a reason to rewatch. Maybe I'll come down to, uh, where are you? Where in Western Mass are you again? <laughs> oh, North. We're in a little, uh, we're near Amherst. Amherst, uh, okay. Yeah, near that. You can come down to the area. Uh, come to Mardi Gras. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that's going to do it. Talk about social media real quick, Wolf. All right, you can find me at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter, Snapchat. You can find our homepage, rotostreetjournal.com. We're pumping out all this good stuff um, in writing form and video form. Instagram, Roto Street Journal, same as our Facebook, Roto Street Journal. We're just we're getting very close. We're still working on a couple kinks to debuting a ton of live broadcasts on our Facebook. So make sure you're following us there if you're not already. Um, and YouTube, of course, we're pounding out these videos. So uh, Roto Street Journal as well on, on YouTube. Follow us in all the places. Again, this is the time. The month is here uh, where draft prep is at its absolute peak. And our goal is to answer every single question out there. So get it in on whatever platform. It will get to me. I will answer it. And and we want more mailbag content. We only had two questions this week. I know Derek Brown asked about 17 and one, but we want more. We want five, six, eight, ten questions every week in that mailbag. I'll do separate live shows if I have to to answer them all, but I will get to every single one. So start getting them in, folks. Wolfpack for life, baby. My name is Nat Truth Jones. I'm the Wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause, oh, 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 and wave out to the crowd, and take our final bow, oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show, 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 at least we stole the show. Second effort, third effort, touchdown, oh! That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.